This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We come recognizing that it is your word and recognizing our need to learn from you. So teach us, we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Okay, Matthew 11, verse one through six. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Okay, now, We've seen, we've been looking at the last chapter here, and now it's time for the Lord to send out his 12. He's poured his heart into these people. He's poured his, his heart to them in teaching. He's been guiding them. He's been preparing them for what they're gonna face, and now it, they're being sent out to accomplish the impossible. This is a possible task, the job of converting Israel, so to speak, but he also said in another place in Matthew 19, 26, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So this is the session of training that he's had with these 12 and preparing them, and it's been intense. It hasn't exactly been a time when the Lord has been sitting down with them and saying, let me give you some suggestions. Let me give you some alternative methods that you may want to consider as you go out. No, not at all, because what you see in verse 1 is that his time of training them, preparing them, has been called, as he's put it in verse one, it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding. This is a commanding his 12 disciples. These are not just his students, these are his 12 disciples. 
And so it's been very intense. It's just as the same intensity as Paul looked at the gospel that he had to preach when he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Preaching the gospel is not just a matter of, it'd be nice to share the gospel with others. Preaching the gospel is called a necessity that was laid on Paul, where to not preach the gospel, Paul called that a woe is unto me affair. That's how he referred to it. And that's what the gospel is to us. Verse one, he commanded his 12 disciples to preach the gospel because there's a necessity to preach the gospel because God loves the world. God doesn't want the world to be cast or to drift off into hell to perish, so it's necessary to preach the gospel. Verse one, he commands his 12 disciples to preach the gospel because there's an urgency to preach the gospel because people are dying without Christ and being cast into hell. And the reason is, as God put it in Hosea 4.6, Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of what Romans 11 talks about when it says, how shall they believe? Unless they hear, and how shall they hear? Unless there's a preacher, and how should there be a preacher unless he's sent? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. So in verse one, he commands his 12 disciples, preach the gospel, and that also shows, not only is there a necessity, not only is there an urgency, there is a responsibility, a responsibility to preach the gospel because they're gonna be held accountable. And this is why Paul, when he talked about his meeting that responsibility, he said in Acts 20, verse 26, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure of the blood. I am pure from the blood of all men. This blood of responsibility of not preaching the gospel is what God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3, verse 18. Ezekiel 3, 18, when he says, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou shalt, thou hast delivered thy soul. Heavy words for the prophet Ezekiel, that he was gonna be held accountable. His blood would be, the blood of the wicked would be on his hands if he didn't preach the gospel, if he didn't warn the wicked of his wicked ways, he's gonna die. So after the Lord has finished commanding his disciples, in verse one, we read, he departed thence to teach and to preach. So the meeting is broken up, and the Lord has broken it up because he's the one who left, that's what it says. For the disciples, they might have said something like, well, you know, we're pretty happy here. We'd just rather stay here, listen to the Lord forever. This is very entertaining. They were in no hurry to leave. It was wonderful for them to be with the Lord. It was, they're learning so much. It's so interesting for them as far as they were concerned. Who needs to stop teaching? I mean, they were sequestered alone with him somewhere. It was also safe. It was also interesting. It was also safe. No need to leave and and get in front of those nasty scribes and Sadducees and Pharisees who wanted to do away with with the Lord and his message. But as far as the Lord was concerned, there were souls to reach out there. There were souls to save out there. There were souls that therefore the class 
needed to be broken up. That was it. So we read in verse 1 that he departed thence to teach and to preach. And from that action of the Lord leaving, the disciples were getting the idea. There's a necessity to preach the gospel. There's an urgency to preach the gospel, and there's a responsibility. And that's a lesson for us. It's wonderful for us to spend time alone with God like that. It's great. Do it for the rest of our days. Get sequestered in some undisclosed location with God and comfortably, as far as possible, just kind of pass that time the rest of our lives there in the continuum of the degradation of our health. <laughs> Till finally, with a little help from Mr. Morphine, we just float our way into heaven, right? That's not living under the necessity of the gospel, under the urgency of the gospel, and the responsibility of the gospel. I love the hymn. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his name or blush to speak Fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Since I must fight if I would reign, increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. What a question. Should I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? So he leaves the meeting there, as it says in verse 1. He leaves the meeting. In essence, he's saying, it's time. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the king of kings. Okay, so where does he go? He gets up, he leaves, where does he go? He got up from the meeting, it says in verse one, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. So first he gets up and it says he left to teach and preach. He left to teach and preach himself. He wasn't asking them to do something that he wasn't leading the way on. He taught them by example. And by not only to, to hear what he said, but they got to see him teach and preach the gospel. They got to watch him. They got to watch him. They got the message that he was only starting the job. He was only beginning the job that they were supposed to finish. And that's why the book of Acts, which is really the beginning of the Acts of, the, of them, the Acts starts off by saying in Acts 1 and 2, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So the Lord now is beginning to teach and to preach until the day is taken up, and then it's going to be their turn, their turn. But, but where did he go? says that he went to the cities of the 12 disciples. He went there. He didn't say to the 12 entire, okay, now, where we can reach a lot more people if you go to your cities and I'm gonna go to different cities and, and then we can reach more people. He didn't do that. He went to their cities where they were teaching and preaching. In other words, he overlapped with them. He overlapped with them. And that was a tremendous encouragement. 
Imagine the disciples, they'll be in their own city and they're teaching, they're preaching, and then and the Lord is there also doing the same thing and they're in the same place. Maybe the disciples move to a different location. Oh, there he is, there he is, right there. He's there teaching. It's a picture of them and how the Lord would continue to work with them even after he left the earth. From the time that he left the earth, he wasn't seen, but the last verse in the book of Mark tells us, the last verse in the book of Mark says, and they went forth and preached everywhere with the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following, amen. That's the last words of the book of Mark. So they go forth everywhere. The Lord is working with them, just like us, just like us today. It says in Acts 5.32, Acts 5.32, we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So we're witnesses of the world, and we're not alone, just like they weren't alone in their own cities. The Lord is there also. And so whether we teach or to preach or to evangelize or to share the gospel or witness or bring the gospel or help another person find Christ, we're not working alone in a vacuum. We're not in a vacuum. The Lord has decided to go right there with us. Now, the Lord is working in Israel. He's in full swing People are learning, people are being healed, people are being saved, it's a wonderful time. Wonderful time for the Lord, it's a wonderful time for the 12 disciples, but it's not a wonderful time for John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist is the one who was described in John 3, 26, they came unto John, said unto him, Rabbi, he that it was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. John the Baptist is the friend of the bridegroom. John the Baptist is the friend of the Lord Jesus. And he said that he's the one who stood and heard the voice of the Lord Jesus, and he greatly rejoiced. It was a fulfilling joy, he said that. But things are now a little different for John the Baptist because John has stood up for what's right in Matthew 14.3, for Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto her, it's not lawful for thee to have her. So Herod has decided that his brother Philip's wife was nice. He liked her, so he decided to take her for his wife. And John the Baptist says something which is definitely not politically correct. He said to Herod, wrong for you to have your brother's wife. It's wrong for you to take your brother's wife. And that landed John in jail. So John is now in a dirty, rat-infested, cold, damp prison left there to rot. And in that dark prison, John has time to think. And he's thinking about Herod, the person he's accused. And he's thinking about him up there 
in his plush palace with all the pleasures, the comforts, the joys in the middle of his sinful life. And this gives John a time just to think, this isn't right. This isn't just. Here I am, a faithful servant of the almighty God, and I'm suffering and rotting in this prison. And there's Herod, a horrible rebel against God, and he's enjoying the best that life has to give. John, who's dedicated his life to getting Israel ready to receive Jesus as the Messiah, ready to receive King Jesus, has now been cast into prison there. No one told John that it was gonna be end like this. There is no verse in the book of Isaiah about the voice in the wilderness rotting in a Roman prison. It's just a little too hard for John. It's just a little too hard for John the Baptist to take. It's just a little too hard for John to hear the reports of the success of the Lord Jesus while he's rotting in that prison. Reports like Luke 7, 16, and there came a fear on all. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet, Jesus, is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout the region round about, and the disciples of John showed him of all these things. So all of a sudden, John finds himself just downright downcast. He's discouraged. He is, and, he's, and John the Baptist is wavering. John is wavering? John was sure that Jesus was the Messiah. John was sure that Jesus was the one who should come. John announced, gave the great announcement in John 1.29. John 1.29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And he said, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it bowed upon him. And I knew him not, but that he sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Well, that was yesterday. That was yesterday when John the Baptist had that great following. But today... John the Baptist is in a prison, and it's just gotten to be a little bit more than John can bear. And he begins to waver, and he begins to doubt. And he says in Luke 7, 19, Luke 7, 19, John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and of many 
were blind, he gave sight, and Jesus answering said unto them, go your way, tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. So John doubts, he sends two of his disciples with a question, are you really the one? You really the one that should come? Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world? Are you really the Son of God? Or did I just mistakenly think you were? Maybe we're really looking for another. John the Baptist, he knows better, but he's tired. He's cold, he's hungry, he's discouraged. He sees no way out of that prison. And that's what discouragement will do to you and me. It makes you angry. It makes you cynical. It makes you bitter. It makes you distrustful. It just makes you want to just die like it did for Elijah. Elijah in 1 Kings 19.4. Elijah, 1 Kings 19.4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's enough now, Lord. Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. First Kings 19.10, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Four more verses down. First Kings 19.14, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So here in 1 Kings 19, three times Elijah has just, just had it. He's done. He's wasted. He's ready to check out. Just die. And that's what discouragement do for you. Makes you bitter, makes you cynical. Something else discouragement will do for you. Makes you think you're the only one in the world who's ever been treated that way. Because you're all alone going through this and that gives you the right to feel that way. I know that from experience because that's how I felt last week when I was on a Zoom meeting with three lawyers in Jerusalem, in Israel, who explained to me very clearly, this is after I had amassed all my stuff to go to Israel so I could be an Israeli citizen, but they said, oh no, you are banned from becoming an Israeli citizen because you as a Jew believe in Jesus. And they explained to me that I was an enemy of the state of Israel because I as a Jew believed in Jesus and for all intents and purposes, the state of Israel would rip from me, if they could, my identity of being a Jew because I believed in Jesus. And I was pretty discouraged. And I thought to myself, I thought some things that I'm not going to repeat right now because that, that's not right. I thought to myself, some really, God has more patience with them than I do. And God has more love for them than I do. And I was thinking, there's no Jewish believer in Jesus 
Well, there certainly wasn't on that Zoom meeting in Jerusalem and began to feel I was the only Jew in the world that believed in Jesus. And I, that was the day I got an email from a person I never knew before. And the email said, hey, Tom, I just sent you a friend request. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.